Today on The Topping Show, the Senate blocks Biden's ESG rule, Republicans introduce a Parental Bill of Rights Act, David Hogg says you have no right to own a gun, Ford Lightning to resume production, and Nissan is going to recall 800,000 SUVs. All of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN and Topping Technologies. ExpressVPN protects your online data privacy, and Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. If you're a business owner or an IT leader, especially in Texas, you can use a little help. You can reach out to sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Jumping into the business product podcast, Macy's and Best Buy both noted that they had decreased sales Though they both exceeded analyst expectations, Best Buy did note their CEO, Corey Berry, noted specifically, quote unquote, we are prepared for another year, for another down year, sorry, for the industry. Now, both of these businesses, especially Best Buy, boomed during COVID as employees and individual contractors, and entrepreneurs, everyone embraced the work from home methodology. So one of the best places if you need to get extra monitors, PCs, a lot of IT peripherals, you, can, you, need, you need them yesterday, go to Best Buy. So their shelves were completely bare quite, quite quickly. So there wasn't much there. People bought it as soon as it hit the shelves. And also with everyone working from home and living from home more often, spending more time, they also invested in things such as home, home uh, theater as well as security and other, other ancillary, ancillary products that Best Buy sells. So it's great for both of those companies, but they also, they don't think it's good. Now that they have that big boost of sales, long-term, they're both a little a bit skeptical. And one of the issues with Best Buy, and perhaps this is anecdotal evidence. So I've gone to Best Buy a couple of times within the past 24 months for simple things that broke that I needed immediately, such as a computer HDMI cable, or another ancillary product, um, a little power supply, or some other knickknack for your computer systems. And it's one of those instances where, in hindsight, I just should have went to Walmart because they have a whole you know electronics boutique department. But I figure, let's go to Best Buy. That's all they do is electronics. They'll have everything I need. And I was shocked. I went to two Best Buys. They had one had known not none of the cords that I needed. So I needed one DisplayPort to HDMI. They didn't have a single one. And the other store was about 15 minutes away. I drove there and they had one. Perhaps a more prudent decision would have been to check the online inventory and call them. It's kind of hit or miss if you actually get someone at the store. You actually sometimes reroute to the call center. But just seeing the barren shelves when your biggest value add as a brick and mortar store is to have the inventory on hand so people can get it immediately. That's why they're paying more or willing to pay more to go to your store as opposed to buying it online from the cheapest vendor and having to wait maybe 24 to 48, 36 hours, depending on you know what type of shipping you pay for, what kind of packages you might have on Amazon for Prime or what have you. But that lack of inventory is somewhat reminiscent of Fry's Electronics, which had declared bankruptcy a couple years back. And towards the end of their brick and mortar experience, you could tell there's a lot less inventory and they weren't getting replenished at the rate really needed to meet the demand when the demand was going in the store to get it so they're still doing they still have both solid fiscal results they believe best buy is around 80 dollars a share so 
I mean, publicly traded company. They got a lot of support behind them. But it is concerning to see a lot of those instances where they do let you down sometimes. I have heard some exceptional stories when it comes to their customer, their customer support and returns and warranties. So that's a value add that Best Buy does provide as opposed to maybe an online reseller you don't know or it's just a one-off sale. And they have some good employees at Best Buy. I've met some really great people. But I think they need to revamp the concept of the store, maybe go back to the roots. They're a long-based Minnesota company. They have a lot of good history, a lot of good a lot of good stories they might need to help resurrect to keep this trend of trying to increase their sales in a hyper-competitive environment. I mean, they have their biggest value add is having that store there then and now. I would drive that to the point home of having every single item in stock, at least four units of every every category you have, every SKU, you should have at least four units in your store at all times, which of course, it's gonna cost a lot more. It's a big upfront investment in capital to get that inventory. But you need to tell the consumer, we have what you need. If you come here, we will have it. Not this thing where they do have an option of, oh yeah, you can pick it up at the store tomorrow. You lost the, st- you lost the sale at that point. At that point, someone's going to go to a traditional e-commerce site where with that same time frame, you just get it delivered for sometimes free, depending on what platform you're shopping for. So it'll be interesting to see how those companies continue to try to increase their sales. Now, Ford Lightning is finally starting to resume production, and that's penciled in for March 13th. The Ford Lightning being their electric truck that debuted a few a little while back. And it was a five-week production pause with the pause beginning on February 1st following a battery fire. With the battery fire thankfully being contained to a safe environment, it was actually at one of Ford's testing grounds in Michigan. Now, it was concluded that it was a battery issue they are still declining to tell us what the root cause is, but there's little hints on, in terms of no one right now is believed that is the third party that's responsible for it. The battery production actually begins in Atlanta via a Ford supplier. And it was an issue with the Ford battery, or sorry, the quality of the battery to be put into the Ford. So presumably that supplier has made the appropriate changes so that the batteries are safer and won't have those issues again. Now, another company, which is a much, much more dire, dire consequences is recalling 800,000 vehicles with Nissan. So they announced specifically they're going to recall, I believe it's about 807,000 SUVs. And there's going to be the Nissan Rogue models from 2014 to 2020, in addition to the Nissan Rogue Sport models from 2017 and 2022. Specifically, and this is perhaps one of the most concerning things about this recall, Every automotive company on the planet has recalls. It's a reality when you're creating th- hundreds of thousands of volume of units and you have this piece of machinery that has thousands of components from many suppliers all coming together. There's always going to be some error. I know a few years back, GM had an issue where the lights were just a little too bright and their recall was simply shipping out a translucent or transparent sticker you slap on the headlight and that would dim it enough so that the lights weren't damaging to things. So sometimes it's a quick, easy fix. But this is actually potentially deadly. So it is good that they got ahead of the problem of doing the recall before. I haven't seen any specific instances of any accidents yet, thankfully. Now, specifically, Nissan is noting that the actual key, the vehicle key, may not stay fully open. So if the driver were to accidentally hit the key fob while you're driving, it could actually turn off the engine. And in doing so, you're also turning off the brakes and then the airbags. So they're not going to deploy if there's an accident. 
which is somewhat, somewhat, somewhat reminiscent of when GM had their ignition recall a couple years back. So it's a catastrophic issue they need to fix, and it's going to cost Nissan a lot of money because they don't just have to pay to fix It's not just paying to you know have the widget or whatever piece of physical material needed to alleviate this problem. They need to have it installed in, in the over 800,000 SUVs. And the Nissan is already a brand that's been struggling with quality control and just the automotive market is getting more and more competitive lately. And they've always been a little bit behind the other Japanese automotives with automotive manufacturers with Toyota and Honda being two of the most premium brands in terms of quality performance. And of course their subsidiaries or their, their other brands that they own being Lexus as well as Acura appropriately. So it'll be interesting to see how Nissan handles this situation. They got ahead of it, thankfully, but it'll, they're already, they've been in a little trouble for a while. We'll see what happens now going into healthcare slash retail. Now, one store that's always doing great at bringing people in is Walmart. They're an exemplar of retail. One of my favorite books is Sam Walton's, I believe it's, what is it? He calls it, I believe it's Made in America. Yeah, Sam Walton, Made in America. That's one of my favorite books where he talks about the inspiration of how he started his career, started the company, the values, and what they want to do to care for their customers as well as their employees. So if you're into retail books, I definitely recommend that one. I might do a review later. Now, Walmart said they're going to double their healthcare centers in 2023. So they currently have about 28 in their in their uh, superstores and or sorry they have about I want to say 30 now but they want to add 28 more in 2023. These healthcare centers would have a wide array array of health services including dental, labs, X-rays, audiology, and primary care. So by the end of the year they want to have 77 healthcare centers in Walmart, which is a brilliant business move. Because they will get to the point, I believe, in my lifetime where it could be a quote-unquote turnkey solution. I know it's a little bit of a cliche, but the more value you could add in a single trip, the better. I mean, one of the reasons I shop at Walmart is because I can get not only all the materials I need, just, you know, food for an affordable price, but I also get business supplies, marketing supplies. I mean, they have a little, not only things that you need for like, perhaps like a trap shooting, they, they, have, they have trap shooting clay pigeons as well as ammunition or shotgun ammo. They also have earplugs and they also have a lot of interesting things for your other marketing needs as well. So if I can reduce the number of trips down to one, that's a huge value add. And of course they have departments for everything, including electronics, clothing, and of course food, reading materials. So adding these healthcare centers is a brilliant marketing move, especially because they also have pharmacies there. So if you can, that's one of the biggest contentions I have with the doctor ecosystem and healthcare ecosystem in the United States. It would be nice, and I think it'd be a brilliant idea if you could go to a doctor and get meds in the same building nearly immediately to save you on trips, your time, your money. So being able to add more value, so if someone can go there, get their, imagine getting your cavity checked or done, get a filling before you have your grocery shopping. Most people have to go there, or they, you're going there already for groceries, if you can knock out two errands or two errands or three errands or four errands at once, that's a huge time save. And it also helps them keep their foot, the foot traffic up in the stores because they are doing a lot of deliveries to compete with other grocery stores and other online retailers where are delivering groceries. But having these types of services also incentivize people to go to the store. And when you go to the store, you're going to spend more 
because you're going to find ancillary things that you don't necessarily think you need, but you walk past it, you go, oh yeah, I could use that. So going to the store, getting people to go to your brick and mortar, that's one of those biggest, that's one of the biggest challenges nowadays for retailers. And it's a fascinating equation or a puzzle, some might say, to figure out how to best incentivize them to get in there. So it'll be interesting to see. I think it's going to be a big hit for them, especially as more and more people are looking, how can I get some healthcare services at a more economical price point while I'm already trying to cut my budget and making sure I can keep up with this astronomical amount of inflation as well as economic downturn in 2023. So personally, I think it's going to be a big win. win. Now, in terms of the cultural lexicon, I was looking a little bit on the Twitter yesterday, and one of the biggest trends was David Hogg, and he says you have no right to own a gun. Fascinating. So let's dive in a little bit deeper. I looked at his... I believe the kids call it the Instagram, and it's mainly saying you don't have rights for certain size magazines or certain guns based on their design or or rather their color. So, you know, the black rifle being the AR-15. And he his full-time job, or he is a gun control activist, and that came from him being a survivor of a high school shooting, which is a horrific experience I wouldn't wish on anyone. I disagree fervently with his conclusion of how to decrease or mitigate school shootings by taking away guns from people. And he makes a cliche argument of saying that the Bill of Rights was only written for militias. However, if you read the Bill of Rights, it says, quote unquote, a second amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And while we're at it, quotes from men infinitely wiser than David, as well as myself, going to be Thomas Jefferson saying in one of his letters, as well as public speech, he says, Laws that forbid the carrying of arms disarm only those who are neither inclined nor determined to commit crimes. Jefferson also said, no free man shall ever be debarred from owning a firearm or arms. And Benjamin Franklin, one of my favorite quotes in history, Benjamin Franklin said, those who give up essential liberty to gain a little temporary security deserve, or safety, sorry, deserve neither liberty nor safety. And if you want to get more granular in terms of U.S. current laws, which I would say the Bill of Rights still is even more relevant today than ever. Now, the a court case that many people reference is the 2008 United States Supreme Court versus the, um, the case being the District of Columbia versus Heller. And the conclusion from that case was, and I quote, the Second Amendment protects an individual right to possess a firearm unconnected with service in a militia and to use that arm for traditionally lawful, purpose, lawful purposes, such as self-defense within a home. So it's interesting to see that there are a lot of things trending throughout the gun debate. It seems to be a thing that's gone on for as long as, as long as the United States has existed, or probably perhaps more realistically, the past 50 years. But he is a huge cultural influencer. He has over a million followers on the Twitter. And he's getting a lot of momentum from people who I believe don't see or don't have all the don't have all the facts in front of them and perhaps just very emotionally reacting and not examining all the facts. As well as looking as well as looking and examining at solutions. I mean, a lot of these schools have passed laws where if a teacher is, I believe Georgia Georgia specifically as well, there are a couple of states where they're giving the teachers the ability to defend themselves if they have proper paperwork or rather more appropriately called proper safety training, such as a concealed carry license. Depending on schools, teachers actually lose the right to defend themselves when they step on those grounds because they are a gun-free zone. And depending on what study you're reading, 
it's either 85 to 95 or 97 percent of quote unquote mass shootings are in gun free zones. I say that with a grain of salt because gun free zones, as well as the term mass shootings, mean different things to different people. So it's hard to quantify what definition you're looking at. Some people say more than two people's mass um, dead is a mass shooting, and they're all tragedies. But you have to make sure when you're having these discussions is let's make sure we're all all on the same page with the definitions so that we can have a conversation of how to mitigate and solve this situation, these problems. So personally, my hope would be to give teachers that ability and have more armed guards or armed police forces or maybe an armed veteran, even better, on site to protect those children from the evildoers out there. Now, going over to the politics, the Senate blocked Biden's ESG rule for retirement fund managers. The Biden administration, would, would their rule would allow retirement plan fiduciaries to consider ESG when examining investment decisions. And the Senate approved a resolution which its goal is to reverse Biden's rule on the environmental, social, and governance ESG score. The Senate voted 50 to 46 to block the ESG rule with two Democrats in favor of the rule being Senate Joe Manchin of West Virginia and John Tester from Montana. And I think this is important because when you look at retirement funds, a lot of those people are predominantly on a fixed income. And with ESG scores, that's not taking into account the maximal profitability you can take from the solution or rather from the investment. They're looking for environmental and less quantifiable things. A lot of people are saying it's being used as wokeness or social justice, depending on what initiative they're pushing for, or maybe it's just virtue signaling. Whatever definition or lexicon you prefer to use, it's something that is not related to achieving the maximum profit and doing the best thing for the actual retirees. And by definition, if you have a fiduciary responsibility, you're supposed to do what is financially best for the person. So in my opinion, retirement fund, they should be doing what they can to get the maximum ROI or the maximum money back for the retirees because they are really, they're dependent on that fund. And ESG scores are also an incredibly politically driven score. One of the greenest companies, now I know there's a lot of debate on lithium mining and a lot of variables that go into making an electric car, but you can't tell me that Tesla isn't one of the most EV companies out there. They are the largest electric car maker and they didn't get an ESG score. And a lot of people are skeptical about why they didn't get one. And some are even thinking they didn't get one just because of Elon's personality, which given the political climate of politics being used as a tool based on perhaps your, phys uh, your political affiliation or company's actions, it's, it's almost becoming like a weapon. So a lot of companies who some say fervently do deserve an ESG score, such as Tesla or having a positive ESG rating, they didn't get one as far as I, my recent research found. So it's one of those things where I actually think the Senate is actually, uh, they're on the right side of the equation in this instance, because if you're a ret retiree, you need the maximum investment back. You don't, at that point in your life, you're dependent on that for the fiscal benefits. You're probably not looking for the, the less money back for either a message, either political or ideologic, ideologically. It's not saying that green technology isn't going to eventually work. It will eventually become profitable with new technolog technological breakthroughs, such as windmills. Depending on where you place them, the ROI is measured in the decades. However, new technology will come forward, I believe, 
to make them more efficient, more cost effective, to make the ROI much more attractive. Same with solar. There are a lot of these technologies that are getting more and more efficient. But depending on where you live, the environment, it might not be the best ROI for you. So it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. Now, going over to the House Republicans, they introduced a Parental Bill of Rights Act with the technical term being much more boring, as politics usually is. It's called H-R-5. How inspirational, but that's politics. And quote-unquote, the goal is it would quote-unquote, amend the Elementary and Secondary Education Act of 1965 to require schools to provide parents with a list of books and reading materials in school libraries as well as posting the curriculum publicly. Which seems like a no-brainer that everyone should team up on because parents have a right to know what their kids are learning as well as what's available for them to consume. So you would think this wouldn't be a polarizing issue. However, it has become a very polarizing political issue. Now, a lot of this came from the COVID-19 incident where everyone was working from home and all of a sudden the kids were on the laptops and the iPads and they were taking, having lessons, school lessons from the teachers. And the parents were looking over the kid's shoulder and go, oh dear God, what are they learning? Because some of it had nothing to do with zeros and ones of curriculum, such as teaching them specific mathematics, as well as historical facts. It was much more ambiguous and political and ideological. And many argue that's not the purpose of a school, especially a government school, where the government, if any ideology that they'd be pushing, I would hope it would be one that teaches you to be patriotic and love your country and to do your best that you can for your help and others. But others also, another opinion I respect is the government has no issue. They have no right to do that. They should only be teaching specific quantifiable data and basically zeros and ones, you know, two times two equals four, you know, stuff that are empirical truths that can't be misinterpreted or they couldn't be found offensive. And some of these books, are actually in the schools right now depicting sexual acts instructions and they're so disgusting you can't show them on youtube and if you were to take that book to let's say a public park and you start reading it to those kids that would be considered sexual assault but in many cases because the content is so viscerally disgusting it's not at all child appropriate but it's in some of these libraries another thing i wanted to bring up with this instance is you can't always blame the individual teachers. Sometimes you can, but when you look at the school libraries, a lot of that is done on the state level. So if a lot of people are getting upset. Make sure, depending on your state and your districts, you know where to appropriately send your letters of disgust and your letters of concern because those teachers might not have a choice. And maybe in the school district, depending on you know the state and all those rules, it might be up to the state, not even the specific district. So there are a lot of variables in this. Make sure you're educated with your local municipal your local breakdown of government so you can know how to appropriately address this situation. Now, even more ironically, you can't, there are some parents who actually brought these school books to school board meetings and they would try to quote them and their microphones would be muted because it was so disgusting and inappropriate, even for adults in the room. So they didn't want that on public record. So the, the school boards would just mute, mute. They would just take away the parents' ability to speak, which is, um, especially disgusting. So it'll be interesting to see how this bill progresses. 
and Republicans historically, they're not the best at marketing. The, if anything, this is a home run. Parental rights, if they were smart, they would focus on that topic religiously. That's something that every, I mean, turning the parents into a voting group, that's huge. They, Republicans might actually win, which is a rarity even of itself, but it'll be interesting to see if they really drive this home, it could be monumental in terms of the political long-term. And it was actually one of the kind of stories that really brought this to the political discourse is an issue gained momentum when Glenn Youngkin defeated Democrat Terry McLaughlin in Virginia's 2021 gubernatorial election. And in, in that instance, they made sure that parental rights were at the center of the issue. And that issue actually came to light thanks to independent reporting by the Daily Wire, which is headquartered out of Tennessee at the moment. And that was when Loudoun County famously covered up a rape case where a boy in a skirt went to a female uh, girl's bathroom, took advantage of her. The school covered it up. And when the dad went to the actual school board meeting, he brought up this issue about his daughter. Some of the crowd yelled at him a liar, so he yelled back. And the police arrested him, which is the most disgusting outcomes I could ever imagine. And to add insult to injury, the school covered up an instance before. So this is the boy's second offense. So the first time he did it with another girl, the school basically slapped him on the wrist and said, hey, don't do this again. They said they told the parents, we want to keep this internally. We don't want to involve lawyers or third parties. So that's one of the most disgusting acts I could possibly think of. But it led a lot of people, those two events, both parents seeing what the, what the teachers are showing the children from the virtual learning, as well as this instance of the school board covering up and school boards having a lot of control of the situations where there's very little transparency. Those two instances really gained a lot of political momentum, which led to the Republican to win that historically Democrat area at the time in 2021. And Republicans are smart. They'll pretty much drive this home. Granted, I, I think everyone should be behind this initiative to give parents more transparency and more of ability to know what the, their child is learning. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, this is perhaps a mix. This is fascinating. So this is a mix of business, politics, culture. It's all of the above. So recently in a video, Biden claimed that he is going to reinstate the draft for men and women whose, birth, whose, whose 20th birthday falls before the calendar year in 2023 so that the U.S. can defend Ukraine. A couple, it took a little while, but it was determined that was a deep fake. But it's such, it's getting so close, it looks real. And this is perhaps one of the most biggest threats to national security, cybersecurity, every security really. If one video, you could take a CEO of a Fortune 500 country, uh, company, you could tank the stock to nothing. Or in this case, you could pretend to be the president of the United States and cause global conflicts or you could swing an election like this. So I think this is going to be one of the biggest, one of the biggest threats to threats and opportunities of our lifetime. And I say it's a business blunder because I was just, I wish there were more businesses giving the tools to individuals to quickly see which videos are real and which ones are fake. Now going over to the actual production, the AI tools that make these also make the video clips and the voices so it makes them near flawless. So the voice, especially, they're able to basically take 
all of, if you're a public speaker, such as a CEO, or president, where there's a lot of press around you and historicals of you speaking, they could take all those sound clips and rearrange them to say however, pretty much whatever the heck they want. And there's actually a YouTuber, or he, he took uh, Obama, he took Trump as well as Biden, and actually made like a live, a fake live stream of the three playing Halo together. Now, granted, the faces were crudely constructed, constructed. So in that case, it was just you know their faces, and they slapped on some like um, gamer headphones. But the sounds were so remarkably accurate. It was, I remember Trump and Obama were talking on that on the YouTube video about the Halo the Xbox game, the Halo Warthog, which is their little truck in that game, and they both sounded so real. It was incredible and there are a couple companies working on this with facebook the department of defense google adobe intel all working on their own deepfake tools now intel is saying they've combined eye gaze based de uh, detection technique to, to determine if a video is real in milliseconds and they have from their admission they say it's 96 percent accurate other tools are actually taking into account blood movement so they can tell if your vein is pumping blood a certain way just by that they can tell if the video is fake so i'm really hoping those the tools to detect those become mainstream for public consumption where you can go online and buy that tool for a low amount and thankfully the free market usually gets you there in terms of decreasing the price point thanks to competition but this is one of the i said it before i'll, I'll say it again but it's a huge implication that could I mean, destroy countries, destroy businesses. Because within our lifetime, it will get so real. It's, it'll be the traditional cat and mouse like cybersecurity, but these tools are just going to, they're only going to get better. Kind of like how video games, they start off with Atari, where basically there's a block on a screen and a little bit of color. And now you have lifelike video games, thanks to the newest video game platforms. So it'll be interesting to see how this evolves and if there's any tools that can quickly identify these things that the masses can get with and we could actually utilize. So that is perhaps maybe just a general blunder, but that was one of the most fascinating things of the day. Thank you everyone for tuning in. If you'd like to see more content like this, don't forget to like, subscribe, content, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies. Just tell anyone. Y'all stay safe and fight the good fight.